coming to you live from inside the globe, perched high atop the Bugle Planet building in sunny Gotham City. It's Hey Kids Comics with two guys who are always ready to seduce the innocent, your hosts, Andrew Farmer and the Jedi Cole Houston. And now it's time for Hey Kids Comics. Hey Kids Comics, I am your host Andrew Farmer, with me as always, your other host and show producer, the Jedi Cole Houston. Cole, you out there? Hey, good evening everybody, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about this because this is actually a recall episode. We've done it, finally. It's like a a recall joke, we're like, oh, that was like referring back to that other part of the movie. It's a callback, Uh, we made made an actual callback, yeah. Yeah. It's a callback, hell did i say anyway yes this is the callback episode and so we're calling back none other than weldon adams oh. thank you for joining us weldon oh uh, well thank you guys for putting up with me again are you kidding I, uh, thank you for putting up with us uh, right. uh you know every time uh, anyone gets on this show it diminishes their brain power <laughs> it literally takes years off their well, brain at least i'm immune to that oh good oh. It's nice to know we have a, a guest with immunity. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, sir. If we know you're going to survive this apocalypse of a podcast, we'll just yeah. keep having you back on. Well, at this point, he's got immunity with impunity, so... Uh... <laughs> That's right. Uh, not only was it a callback to our guest, but it's a callback to an idea that our guest threw out in the last time he was on the show. Yes, indeed. So we're going to... Um... We are really uh, excited because almost immediately I began working on <laughs> what what do we do with this topic. So we are very pleased to bring you Hey Kids Comics number 335, Shtick and Carrot. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, Cole. <laughs> Can I, I'm going to ask you, off topic. There were some low-level puns that yeah. pre, predated that one, and I'm like, okay, I have found – my mark. So I've got to, I, I, I need to ask this. How much time would you say you spend a week coming up with titles to these shows? Oh my God. It, it's a, on a constant because as you know, we're, we've got a year and a half or more plotted. And sometimes it's just like, Oh, there's a, a fun title. Sure. It's like in Ed Wood, you know, do you have a, a script? No, we've got a poster. You know, <laughs> I don't have a show yet, but I got a title by God and a, and a concept and and a, a star to steer by, and eventually we get around to actually recording the damn things. <laughs> so too much, too much is what you're saying. Oh uh, yeah, it's on a constant. Uh, I never know when the inspiration will hit, and then of course you know there's always something new that comes along that we weren't anticipating. And there's another show, so I have to come up with another damn title. So what? What is what is tonight's show? Tonight we are honoring our guests by uh, by taking requests. Big air <laughs> quotes around the word honoring. Yeah. By the way, we're, we're hopeful. Well, to, might be a better to, There we are. And Weldon had mentioned none other than DC Comics' own Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. Such a great idea. And, like, why are we not already having been in the process of doing this before now? Right. This and is a thing that 
you know, should have been 150 issues ago. Well, and first of all, we've done 150 issues. We've done 300. That would have been halfway back in our... It's insane to think about that. But the other part to that is, you know, in doing this show, you have shared... In my research and in, you know, in talking about in, in the issue that Weldon was on last, and in just talking to you over our, you know decade long or more than that now friendship that this this topic might sit more in your wheelhouse than anything outside of Watchmen. <laughs> That's so true. Because of just the well well what did you say when you prior to the show starting about the um about this book? One of the reasons one of the reasons I love this book so much is it has the highest Pun per page rate of any comic book I have ever seen. <laughs> and if you've listened to this show ever, even for five minutes, you know Cole's love for puns is unmatched on this <laughs> earth. I have a bit of a fondness for the for the things. I uh, never met a pun he didn't like. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed Spider Robinson's. Uh, work uh, where a friend of mine was sort of like it's a little too pun filled for my taste <laughs> you're like no not enough was at uh callahan's cross time uh saloon if you want to get into some really yeah. uh heavy duty puns check that one out but tonight oh. all of the disc world stuff yeah um here's anthony's uh, uh oh good lord yes the xanth uh series oh. Yeah, the Xanth series. Yeah. I mean, Xanth is shot. There was one pun that it took me years of letting it rattle around in my head before I got it. And that was in the land of Xanth. There were these gigantic centipedes that were five times as big as a normal centipede that were nickelpedes. <laughs> and I did, I was reading it so literally that I saw oh. them as being sort of a a kind of metallic silver in color and i did not catch the brilliance of the pun of them being five times as big of course the centipede would be a nickelpede well and for that's me, the thing about him he's always in for a penny in for a penny <laughs> well, yes indeed it's gonna be all night with this or so, in for a punny in for a pound if you want puns if you want pun poundage um look for me look no further than uh i believe it was peter david's seminal work apropos of nothing have are you familiar with it's it's, no, it's, it's I, prose. so it's a there there's a book and a sequel and it stars a character it's a it's a fantasy high fantasy novel <laughs> and the character's name is is apropos and he's it, it's apropos of nothing He's of the the land he's from is is nothing. Okay. So the entire thing is just it starts with a title pun and just goes from there, and it's it's pretty it it's 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 very good and just chock a block with puns. <laughs> but I have to agree with Weldon in my research, even in the research for this, the researchers and I want to give a shout out right now. Usually I'll start my research and I don't end it, but I'll start my research on Wikipedia. And then go down the rabbit hole. Um, no pun intended. Wow. Um, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even know you were I doing that. That's how long I've been, spent my week doing this. Um, go down the rabbit hole and really, you know, get 
where some of these some of these issues I find like uh, like thesis papers that people have written for for literature degrees and you know various things. This Wikipedia did a really good job. So whoever did the Wikipedia job for Captain Carrot, I'm gonna give you a big round of applause because you saved me quite a bit of work this time around. But but even in the just the standard research. The researchers it, on various websites had to type so many puns in general. Yeah. <laughs> These poor, poor guys. The character names in this series are fantastic. Oh, I've, they're Thank nothing you. short of brilliant. So what is this book? Let, yeah. Let's let's start here. What is the, what is who is Captain Carrot? Um, okay. Yeah. Well, to understand Captain Carrot. To understand Captain Carrot, uh, you got to understand just a small amount of history of comics. Okay. Comics have different genres, as we all know. And the superhero genre is the main one everybody thinks about. But there were Westerns. Westerns were huge. It was a, a huge thing that drove the industry for about a decade. Um, there were crime comics. There were horror comics. There were all kinds of things. Uh, and there were funny animal comics. Yeah. And there were Western a lot animal. of them. Back in the 40s, everybody had a pile of funny animal books in their publishing stable somewhere. And, of course, if you're doing superheroes and you're doing funny animals, sooner or later, you're going to do a <laughs> funny superhero. It's just going to happen. It has to. And in the 40s, yeah, in the 40s, DC had a book called Funny Stuff that was full of, guess what? Funny Stuff. And in Funny Stuff, they had a character named Turtle McSnurtle. <laughs> Turtle McSnurtle, the amazing what's-it, the terrific what's-it. So his name even didn't tell you what he did. Right. But his costume sure did, because he wore the exact same costume as the Golden Age Flash, down to the helmet. Nice. So ah. he's a turtle that's super fast. And there's an automatic gag there. Yes, indeed. Now, Built there in. A, there was a hidden connection as well. A lot of people don't know it, but Turtle McSnurtle was drawn by uh, Martin Maybell, who was the regular artist on the Golden Age Flash. Uh-huh. So one of the only times that a character was a, a creator was actively drawing the serious character and an ongoing parody of his own character. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And McSnurtle appeared in the book quite a while until he was actually uh, bumped out of the book by Dodo and the Toad, which was another funny animal thing. Just no superheroes. Dodo of Dodo and the Toad came up about 190 issues ago <laughs> when we did Bird is the Word. Yes. Yes, it did. And I was well, we'll digging out every Bird characters. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that was going on at D.C. in the 40s. Now, another just quick sidebar on this, there was another D.C. book called Leading Comics, and that is where uh, the Seven Soldiers of Victory had been going for quite a while. Okay. But in the late 40s, superheroes were kind of starting to lose the shine on their stars and stripes, and uh, they were falling out of popularity, and so D.C. started moving that book towards a, becoming a funny animal book, and they just ditched the superheroes completely, and that one went full-on funny animal. One of the characters in it was a pig named Peter Porkchop. 
And Peter Torchock uh-huh. lived next door to his neighbor, who was a wolf. His name was A. Wolf. A period wolf. Well, they blew, so they blew their budget stories. on Peter Porkchop, so... Yeah. 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 And, so and I'll point out, quite a long-ass time for Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, which, by the way, I hate. <laughs> right. Way, way before that. So, so that uh, Peter Porkchop uh, starred in, in that comic for quite a while. Now, eventually, Funny Animals uh, started losing their charm, and that's when the rise of the Westerns came up. Uh, there were still some funny animal books, but not as many. DC started experimenting with other types of funny stuff. They started doing teen comedy stuff, a la Archie. Um, they were even using a lot of the same artists. Dan Goldberg was working for them during that time. Uh, well, actually, Stan was at Marvel. Kind of thing, but, but, yeah, there was, there was a lot of those kind of books from all the different publishers. And funny animal stuff kind of went by the wayside. Uh, DC was trying crazy screwball comedy stuff. They were doing uh, The Adventures of Jerry Lewis. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 they were. I, I've seen those. Yeah. Was this uh, also the period the, where... Uh, Martin out of the book. Was, was Sugar and Spike during this period? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, Sugar and Spike was a uh, wonderful screwball kind of surreal thing about two babies that spoke to each other in gibberish, but they understood each other. And so when humans are talking to them, their word balloons are just garbage and gibberish. But then when humans aren't involved, they can talk to each other just fine. Yeah. And, yeah, that was fun. Uh, and, of course, Bob Hope, don't forget, they also had oh, a yeah. very long-running Bob Hope uh, series. Uh, just crazy stuff. And then occasionally, even in uh, showcase comics, they'd throw in a screwball thing. There was uh, uh, The Maniacs which uh, their tryout issue guest starred Woody Allen as a character. Wow. Uh, and, of course, uh, yeah, uh, Angel and the Ape, which had a oh, talking yeah. gorilla in it. So it was yeah. almost funny animal, but not quite. Yeah. Well, in fact, in the, the and, appearance of Woody Allen, the comic, it took seven panels for him to deliver any of the dialogue. <laughs> he, he did have some mighty big word balloons. Yeah. Now, right in the early 60s, about 63, a very funny thing happened, though. DC decided to try a funny animal again. And every now and then there would be a half-page Super Turtle. DC was writing half-page every now and then in all of their books because for whatever reason, it was a licensing thing that allowed them to maintain a certain mailing permit to mail comic books. Oh, so interesting. They had to do, yeah, they had to do a certain amount of other features. Uh, often it was a public service feature or an educational feature of some type. And so they would do these half-page things for that. Uh, and the other part of the time to fill up the other half-page, they would either run a house ad or they would do these humorous little things. And that's where Super Turtles showed up. I actually remember Super Turtle uh, having. I remember distinctly one Super Turtle strip where he's at the ophthalmologist, and uh, there's the traditional eye chart on the wall, and then you get sort of this cutaway view of an apartment building across the street where uh, a guy is reading his newspaper, and Super Turtle is reading the you know A B L Z Mets win big. (laughs) <laughs> right 
So the joke was he was, yeah, he was actually envisioning with Superman's powers. Yeah. yeah. And it was just straight up parody of Superman happened to be a turtle. And uh, it was enough, almost never turns up. That's yeah. Uh, kind of a forgotten character. He's he really is, um, you know, Sugar and Spike also kind of disappear into the background. Mm-hmm. I believe that both Super Turtle, I know Sugar and Spike actually appear in the Crisis on Infinite Earths because they were trying to get everybody in there in one form or another. Right. And there may have been mm-hmm. like a poster or something of Super Turtle that was sort of the conceit to get those characters, those types of characters were sort of like, like thrown yeah. in. Um, you know, or maybe it was on a television set or something, uh, as mm-hmm. if it was a cartoon in the DC universe. So, uh, yeah, I also want to uh, to bring up that the the term "funny animal" um, by the '90s, uh, I think "funny animal" as a as a term was changed uh, drastically. Uh, to, to, to give a more scientific sounding name because anthropomorphic yep. comics were the order of the day to the point where there was even a title, Albedo Anthropomorphics. And it was just basically yep. the humanizing of animal species. Um, but the adult, the very adult comic, Omaha the Cat Dancer by Reed Waller and Kate Worley was actually inspired by, in Reed Waller's uh, words, by the funny animal genre. And he actually well, used... Don't forget that animal. Robert Crumb had done Fritz the Cat by then, too. That's so true. Well, we've also and left Fritz out... The cat, you just don't get much more adult than that. No. We, we've left out a very important superhero funny animal that has actually come up on this show a few times. Um... And that is um, a, a character that actually shows up in the Captain Carrot universe, because one thing that they did in their universe, one of the brilliant oh, yeah. things that they did was create a world where they could have all of these characters, whatever they had a license to, any funny animal they want, they can show up. They created a place right. for all of those characters, and that is none other than Hoppy the Rabbit of the Marvel Hoppy the, the Marvel Bunny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he makes appearances. Yeah. He's come up a few times in, on this show. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't show up uh, in DC Comics until DC actually owned him, and that didn't happen technically until, like, the early 70s, I think it was. Right, right. And the DC didn't know what to do with him for a long time. But, yes, uh, he is now a DC property as well. Nice. Yeah, in fact, his first his sort of entree into the universe was in the self-same crisis on Infinite Earth, which allowed DC, one of the brilliant things they did, was to fold all these characters that they owned that they weren't using, uh, be it the Charleston mm-hmm. characters like Captain Atom and uh, Peacemaker, or the Fawcett characters like Captain Marvel. And it was just, a, a, frankly, one of the most brilliant ways to get those characters into the vernacular, and then Im- immediately they hit the ground running. You get these characters becoming much more engaged in this new unified universe. Uh, Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo crew, not as much. They got to stay <laughs> remanded to a different world. But having them, but their introduction into the DC universe, I think, 
and and Weldon, you might you might have some insight here. Um, I think goes a long way towards legitimizing those characters as actual. You know, they exist. This isn't just a funny book off to the side. They exist in oh, no. yeah. in the continuity proper because they're introduced after Superman comes cold stone cold busting into their world yeah. with a meteorite right. that gives them all a bunch of powers. Not only did Superman co star in their very first appearance, their very first appearance was a free insert in Teen New Teen Titans number sixteen. New Teen Titans was DC's hottest book at that time. That's they insane. stuck a funny animal story in the middle Dead of center. their absolute hottest book. And I was following Teen Titans at the, during that era, no less. So mm-hmm. let's get into this this hundred carat character. <laughs> and uh, you well, know, then, I, let me let me do a callback to something you said earlier that I think is an important and key thing. You talked about forgotten characters. And if you're going to talk about forgotten characters, there's one writer whose name comes to the fore almost every time, and that's none other than Roy Thomas. Yeah, baby. Roy Thomas is one of the kings of bringing forgotten characters back and knitting together backstories that you didn't know went together at all. <laughs> he created the Invaders, and there's comic book fans to this day that don't realize the Invaders at Marvel did not exist until Roy created them in the 70s. He took That's Golden amazing. Age characters and made a, a retroactive Golden Age team that didn't exist. And then a decade later, when he's at D.C., he does it again at DC by creating the All Star Squadron from DC oh, yes. Golden Age characters, and uh, yeah, and so he's a master at doing this kind of stuff. He loves Golden Age characters, and he is very, very knowledgeable about comics. So and also has a oh, but he also has a great sense of writing an ensemble cast. And that's why he's aces with things like Invaders or Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. Yes, he knows how to do a balance tale very well. So he and Scott Shaw come up with the idea of doing a funny animal parody of the Justice League of America. And they were going to call it the Just a Lot of Animals. And they pitch it to D.C. And Dick Giordano, who is an incredibly brilliant brilliant man, and uh, I miss him dearly. He's a hell of a creator and and just really one of the best, sharpest people. He very wisely said no. And the reason (laughs) he said no was (laughs) the reason he said no was that that kind of idea had been beaten to death by him. (laughs) A parody of the Justice League, like Marvel hadn't done that with not Brandeck at some point. Like DC hadn't done that themselves with the uh, uh, Imperial Five and other books of that type. Mad Magazine had already beat that horse to death. Oh, yeah. So he very wisely put a kibosh on that. That was a perennial favorite. Yeah. That was a perennial favorite at Mad. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, good, easy targets for him. (laughs) 
So he said, hey, just make original characters instead. That's all. Don't do a parody because that's, that's going to not fly. Instead, do something new. And so they created Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. And almost every character in here is a wholly original concept, not some tri- tired, worn-out pun concept. They came out with all new tired, worn-out pun concepts. <laughs> and they did. So uh, my question, my immediate yeah. question, right, I'm, I'm, I tangentially know Captain Carrot. I actually was introduced to Captain Carrot much later. Um, I really didn't know he was anything besides the standard kind of funny animal character until um, Grant Morrison's uh, Multiversity, where <laughs> where he was Ooh. actually brought into the, the DC whole as part of the kind of multiverse Justice League. Um, and, and then I got curious and kind of looked back and I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is really interesting, but, you know, in speaking, in speaking to, you know, his creation and, and his creators do, you know, Roy Thomas and Scott Shaw were very, very prolific. And I'm I'm not, I don't want to say serious, but, um, lauded comic creators and, you know, yes. how much damn fun did they have building this world? I think that's obvious when you look at the book. Yes, they were having a ball. I mean, they had to have been, right? Because literally everything mm-hmm. is a pun. Like, this is Cole's dream world that they're living in <laughs> right here. Like, like this well, is Cole's that, brain. And to have the freedom to just go, you know, they've established this world where all of that is a thing. So naturally, you know, they can just go hog wild. Right. They can go hog wild, and they do. Matter of uh, fact, I think there was a hog wild issue. in there. <laughs> there. There wasn't. There well, should have been. There was. should have been a hog wild. Yeah. Damn you. I'm yeah. writing it down, Cole. It's going in the. Uh, it's going you know what else should have been there? World. In the spirit of DC retrofitting the history of their characters, even you know, for the last fifty years. Or more, uh, you have, of course, Superboy was created so they could tell, they could sell more Superman stories and make Superman accessible, I guess, in a way to a younger audience or, you know, give that pre-Peter Parker-esque. They couldn't give him a teen sidekick, so they did the next best thing. They did stories of him when he was a teen. Yeah, this is like... When uh, this this was young Superman, the untold stories, and you know, ideally some of them inform the Superman mythos. Probably for the most part, it was just more stories about with a young Superman. But interestingly enough, there's a young Captain Carrot retrofit. When okay. Captain Carrot was just a wee little bunny, <laughs> mm-hmm. damn it, he was Carrot Teen. Oh, my God. Here we see. Yeah. And in fact, uh, Beta Carotene was sort of the bizarro (laughs) of of that world. Jesus. Oh, good Lord. It's starting. (laughs) It's starting. Um, No, but yeah. But yeah, um, Carrot was, you know, uh, I love the fact that his name was Roger Rabbit. (laughs) They had to change it. That's the best for me. 
Yeah, it was before Roger Rabbit, but then they they weren't using him, and so Roger Rabbit got to be Roger Rabbit instead. That's right. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, you know, because you had Captain Carrot, who was a, basically a Superman analog. Um, mm-hmm. unless, unless I'm mistaken, you know, he had to... Um, he had to eat um, cosmic carrots in order to become Captain Carrot, which he kept like. He was the. Go ahead, Weldon. No, I was just gonna say he was the only one on the team whose powers would fail him like that. Everybody else, it was a one-way transformation. But okay. He had to keep recharging them by eating some more of these, these cosmically powered carrots. And I think that's a great PSA for the kids. It's kind of like Popeye with his spinach. It's encouraging them to eat their carrots. Yeah. And then you're you're not exactly going to get superpowers or anything. But nonetheless, eat your damn carrots. But the – and also – That's the other thing. uh, You mentioned that he's a a take on Superman. But one of the things that I always thought was really interesting is that he's really the Golden Age Superman. Because Captain Carrot doesn't fly. Yeah, he leaves. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I guess it makes sense being a rabbit. Also, with the carrots, the cosmic carrots, no less, he also has some analogous uh, reference uh, to our man. True. True. Because like our man, he has to recharge that power. It's not a permanent thing. Right. And elongated man. Analog-gated man? And elongated man. <laughs> oh, yes, with gin gold. Yes. I, I thought you meant analog. Analog-gated man. Analog-gated man. Which is, analog-gated you man. You have to get out of the car and open the gate. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, the, analog for, the analog for elongated man in the zoo crew was, of course, rubber duck. Yes. Okay. Okay. You 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 cracked open a uh, you cracked open something that I need to uh, comment on right now. <laughs> um, elongated or um, rubber duck is uh, uh, is from first of all he's from uh, Follywood, California. Fur. Yep. Yeah. Oh, fur. Yeah. Yeah. And of and, and mm-hmm. the first thing that I want to say is this. It's interesting to me that the zoo crew themselves, when they, when they were created, didn't have any analogs for Keystone, Central, Gotham, Metropolis, any city in the DC universe that's established as the, you know a superhero city. They didn't have those. They they were they just lived in what was essentially our world. Our world yeah. completely anthropomorphized, fleshed out our world. Yeah. Um, the other thing is... So they would be like, go to New York City rather than New Stork City. Well, they would go to New Stork City. We would go to New York City. Okay, so they, they the, have the analogs. But in well, the D.C. Universe, actually, they have New York, but it's spelled G-N-U. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was New York. But in the D.C. Universe, they would go to Metropolis. Oh, okay, I follow. They, right. But there's no matro- the, so there wasn't a Petropolis, for example. Right, right, right. So that's the first thing that struck me as odd was they really didn't phone this in because it would yeah. be really easy to make right. Captain Carrot from whatever Petropolis was, you know, 
No, they they said, okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to use that. We're going to make it a complete analog to the world we live in, up to and including the point in which uh, Rubber Duck, his alter ego, <laughs> is Bird Rentals, whom is that's you know, right, Bird Rentals, a, a film star, Bird Rentals. Now, yeah. here's they even talk about some of his old movies. Was Gator that, one of that, them? Because that would have been hilarious in this movie. <laughs> I don't uh, know if they mentioned Gator, but I, I think they mentioned Storky and the Bandit. Damn oh, it. nice. Um, so the here's the part and that gets really don't forget weird. Yankee Poodle. Yeah. Yankee oh, yeah. Poodle's secret identity is Roner, Rona Barker. Who was the <sighs> analog Barrett for... Um, was a, a columnist at the time. Yeah. And here's the part where it gets really weird for me. And this is the rabbit hole I went, again, you know, pun intended, that I went down for hours. There is no reference to Burt Reynolds ever appearing in the DC universe outside of Bird Rentals. So, (laughs) So we are to presuppose that the Earth Sea at which Bird Rentals and Timmy Lee Terrapin and Chester Cheese and, you know, um, all of all of these characters live in is closer to our world than the DC Universe is. On the flip side, Marvel was trying to convince us that Marvel that, that Wolverine was real in the in their letters pages. And over here they're saying, no, the closest thing we're gonna get to you is an animal world (laughs) in which Abraham Lincoln exists, but he's, um, he's a goat. And, you know, it's so weird that that's the take that they would enfold it and introduce Superman into that world. That's so amazing. Abraham Lincoln, I believe. It is. Yes. And and, then of course, Superman's like, what the hell? Yeah. So like we, we imagine, so the, the missing link between us and Earth Prime is Earth C, not the other yeah, way around. I spent hours. You gotta go through Earth C to get there. Yeah. I spent hours and hours looking oh, yeah. for Burt Reynolds in DC Comics. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there. It had to be. There had oh, to be something. There's nothing. There's nothing. By the way. And Blue God. Devil worked in Hollywood, and he didn't show up there either. Right. Oh, so true. And, and by the way, Gotham City, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, I think in – here's the other weird thing is we talked about the um, Just a Lot of Animals, right, mm-hmm. which didn't hit – they didn't appear in Captain Carrot until issue 14. So there were four. There was a year plus of Captain Carrot before you got just a lot of animals, and just a lot of animals on Earth C minus. Those places exist. Your your Gotham. And you were your... getting hints though early on because Captain Carrot's secret identity was as a comic book creator, and he was the writer and artist of the Just a Lot of Animals comic book. That is and insane. one of the running gags oh, in the series. Yeah was that he was looking at stuff happening to the zoo crew and going, I could use this in my comic. And every now and then you'd see him drawing a page. So we would actually see the characters, but they're literally comic book characters inside the comic book that they're in. So 
So my that next question. Meta. Yeah, well, my next question is. Yeah. Okay. It was Roy Thomas and Scott Shaw. How much of an influence on guys like Alan Moore and Grant Morrison were these guys <laughs> then? Because you look at which issue of Animal Man was it where? Um, okay. You've uh, you've invoked Alan Moore, so this is the perfect springboard. Oh God, sorry, well, <laughs> because Watchmen is constantly on my mind. Willie, <laughs> it's your Willie Willy Nelson. Anthropomorphized Watchmen. You, we have, of course, oh. yes, we of course have uh, Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> Damn it! Who's a big okay. blue naked? With a hydrogen atom on his forehead, such as fish have foreheads. Uh, we have the comedian. Okay. Silk Spectre, who is, uh, of course, a snake. Yeah, there's too much alliteration there to let that go, sure. And yeah. Shark. Oh, nice. Roar Shark. Da, 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 yeah. da, roar Shark. Da, 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 okay. I'm quitting this uh, podcast now. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> And of course, Owl Knight, K N I G H T. Yeah. And finally, the, one of the toughest ones because I blew the ant thing with comedian was what do you do with with old Adrian Veidt's character? Uh, and then it occurred to me, A U S S I E dash Mandius, and he's basically a, a frail lizard. <laughs> And that's the other reason I think this fits really well in your wheel in your wheelhouse, Cole, is because of your love for fauna. Yeah, I know it's it's like the best of both worlds. It's like uh, Natural History X. Damn it! Damn it! But let's run. Okay, let's run through the zoo crew because we haven't done it yet. We talked about we, we, Captain okay. Carrot. but we've got we, we've got Rodney Rabbit, otherwise known as Roger Rabbit. Uh, Rodney, if you're nasty, um, as Captain <laughs> Carrot, we've got um, Ali Cat Dabra, who is, and she's from, she's from Mew Orleans. Of course she is. Yes, yes, that's Felina Fur. Um, mm -hmm. We've got Peter Porkchops, which was mentioned earlier, who's um, mm -hmm. iron, who's Pig Iron. Pig Iron, yes. Yeah. Um, which is a, a weird, like, Colossus hybrid. Maybe maybe even Steel. Um, not Steel. Um, what am I, who am I thinking of? No, I guess it is Steel, isn't it's it? Steel. I, yeah, I think you're thinking of Steel. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Henry Irons, no less. The the seminal Bird yeah. Rentals and Rova Barkett. Um, yep. As Yankee Poodle and Rubber Duck. And then you've got Fastback, Timmy Joe Terrapin. From Okie Dokie Swamp. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got okay, Chester. Now, earlier, Go ahead. Earlier, I mentioned how much Roy Thomas loved to take forgotten characters and weave them into stories. He's really made a career of it. So, <laughs> Peter Porkchop, who became Pig Iron, is literally Peter Porkchop from. Uh, leading comics that I talked about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. The same character. That's awesome. And Fastback in issue four goes home to visit his family and makes a mention of, uh, well, don't tell anyone my secret identity, especially not Uncle McSnurdle. Wow. That is brilliant. Well, He's I think... kin to the terrific Watson. 
they're both super fast turtles. It's got I know. Well, why not? And what a great nod to the older, this you know, pre-internet older comic fans who would get the joke, even if you weren't familiar. It's it's fun little thing there. You don't have to know the joke to enjoy it, and that's something Hollywood's slowly figuring out. But you know, it's just a wonderful thing for those who know. It's a plus, and um, also uh, would you say Okie Dokie Swamp? Uh, we we invoked right. earlier uh, Piers Anthony, uh, which the uh, Xanth is a uh, strangely Florida-shaped landmass that has amongst its its uh, place names Ogre Finogre Swamp. Right. I still love. Uh, it's yep. an aside. You know, this is a this is a big aside, but and we've talked about it on the show before. But I still love Piers Anthony for taking that kid in who ran away. And ran to oh, his yeah. house and and uh, taking him in for like a day and a half while he was waiting for his parents to come in because he was such an, a fan of of the Pierce Anthony books and and he thought his life you know that whole story is so fantastic. Oh, yeah. That story is fantastic. Um, see who else do we have? We've got Johnny Jingo, which is a pun within a pun, <laughs> as the American Eagle. That is great. Oh, yeah, that is a wonderful pun within a pun. But we, uh, you didn't mention Little Cheese. Oh, well, I didn't mention Chester Cheese, otherwise known as Little Cheese. Um... The enormous. <laughs> is that he right? He could shrink and grow. Yeah, he could uh, shrink enormous. and grow. Damn, that's awesome. The enormous. Yeah. The, the, well, the swamp you were mentioning earlier is a reference to Pogo. And in issue four, there's a alligator bad guy and the alligator's name is Alfred E. Newgator. (laughs) A sideways oblique reference to one of the Pogo characters there. Uh, But one of the other things that is worth mentioning is the villain from issue three, I think it was, is one of my all-time favorites that was in there and that is, of course, Frogzilla. Oh, yeah. Frogzilla was a gig- giant, giant frog that attacks an ocean liner. And uh, it just so happens that Rubber Duck and Pig Iron are taking a cruise on the ocean liner, of course, because that's how comics work. Right. And uh, there, are, there are a couple of really good puns in there. And one of them is that one of the other passengers is a movie star whose name is Fura. Faucet. Mm-hmm. Oh my, of course, yes. Uh, very fitting for it today. I also like the, the fact that they... Of the, oh, the go ahead. The captain of the cruise ship is a dodo. A dodo. <laughs> the thing attacking the cruise ship is a frog. Guess who they uh, are? Uh, yes. Dodo and the frog from funny stuff back in the 40s that threw the terrific what's it out of his own book. Same that characters. Amazing stuff. Well, I mean, they go to Hollywood, and you've got characters like um, we, we talked about bird, rental, bird rentals, but you've also got Elizabeth Whaler, Marlon Brando. You know, mm-hmm. they really did flush it out. Yeah, they and meanwhile, had, over at uh, Hanna Barbera, <laughs> we did it first, Fred. Right, right. Yeah. We had Tally. Tony Curtis and Ann Mogrock. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, they had a they had World War Two, which they called the Second Weird War. You know, they really built this out. They had to have just had an oh. insane amount of fun. There must have been like a bullpen round table to see who could outpun the other. Had to. And the villains were awesome too. Like the villains were uh, Doctor Hoot, Amazu, which is an awesome pun. Yeah. That is an yeah. awesome pun. And there are some deep ass cuts in here well, too. Well, and Amazu is the perfect pun because it is a, a wink at Amazo, uh-huh. who is basically right. the uh, oh, what's the analog in Marvel? The uh, Super Adaptoid. Yes. Super Adaptoid, yes. That's the one. Who basically, Amazo can be all of, he's sort of like the JLA Super Scroll. Um, right down to the point where he's such a, a pedant that he has to have a lasso. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, he just can't simply have other Wonder Womanly powers. He has to actually visual accessorize. Listen. Right. They can... The, the, they can do whatever they want. You're never going to have a an anthropomorphized comic with a character as cool, as straight up cool. And this is later. This is later. This is in the 2000s when they relaunched the book. Okay, but you're not going to get one as cool as as Rosh Alpaca. Wow. <laughs> That's so, I'm sorry. That's amazing. But that, now that is up there with. There was actually one during this the early period. And I didn't catch the joke at first until all of a sudden, just by chance, the character it was parroting shows up in a, a book that I was reading, and it was Kangar Roo. Yes, that is such yep. a deep cut. Yeah, and I'm, all of a sudden, I encounter Kanjar Ro, and I'm like, damn it, now I get the joke. Such a good cut. And um, characters like Here's Feline Faust. Oh, Feline Faust, yeah. yes. Issue three, the same issue that has Frogzilla in it, also has a bad guy with a 50s pompadour haircut. He has a giant bird, and his name is Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> that is, I mean, this was a genius. If you haven't read these books, and I went through and read a few, you know, like, like kind of snippets of, and they are, um, I'm going to, they were reprinted in showcase. I think it was 2014 because of some copyright issues. So they're all out there in a showcase. I'm going to find this 100% going to find this. Um, because there's same some... issue pages later, you, you run into a kangaroo, the size of a city building. And his name is kangaroo. Of course. I'm telling you. That is so good. That's all in one issue. It's it's amazing. Yeah, they they just load it up. Just load it up. Um, There's a a Hunter S. Thompson reference in one of the books. (laughs) And it's a dog, and his name is Pointer X. Toxin. (sighs) I love this. So, of course you do, Cole. I'm reading this, and I'm like... In a different world, this is a book that Cole created and is still running today. <laughs> um, speaking of the things that you love about this, there there is a piece of that I that I haven't done too much research on that I really want you both, if you can, to talk about. Um, and that is the what was it? The um, 
I, I think I know where you're heading here. The Oz Wonderland. Yes. Yeah, because we're getting along in the truth, frankly, so I is, make sure we get to it. Yeah, um, I was about to bring that up myself because I did not want to get away with without you know touching on that because it was one of the better, uh, one of the, frankly one of the most brilliantly uh, realized comics of its day. Because what it did was take iconic public domain and very smartly present it with artwork. You actually have a, a narrative in three different art styles. One is invocative of the illustrations of L. Frank Baum's Oz. I do not recall who the illustrator was. Um, and the other very much in the keeping of the il the original illustrations for Alice in Wonderland. Okay. And then you have a more kind of fitting look for Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. So you, as someone who was familiar with the source material, and it's, you know, the characters look like they did in original printings of these books. They they weren't trying to, you know, strike a balance between ho the familiar Hollywood Wizard of Oz. This was a smart approach that chose to allow the audience to be clever enough to know what they were doing. And if you weren't, it doesn't diminish the book in the least. But if you know exactly what they were doing from the artistic standpoint... And then, of course, Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew have to go in, and it's it's a three-issue trilogy as they present it, and they're sort of thrown into this war between the land of Oz and the uh, and never and uh, Wonderland, uh, even right down to the curious rabbit-toothed Jabberwock from the illustration that went with uh, Lewis Carroll's. Uh, Jabberwocky poem. Nice. I want to. Yeah. I want to. And if I'm not mistaken, he was still wearing his little vest, which I thought was really nice. I want to. <laughs> you would have liked that, Andy. I think you would really I, get into that vest. I love a vest. You know, I yeah. love a vest. That might be a new cosplay <laughs> idea. Um, the, one thing I wanted to say is one of the coolest things about this conceptually and in execution is it would be really easy to insult I, I books like this often i think insult the intelligence of the reader a little bit i don't you know right. because they're funny books this book i right. everything i've read i've read and everything i've seen nothing about it is like that it is a cha they are challenging yeah but somehow in, it was very smartly written yeah, I think so. That's a good way to put it, because I feel like it was very challenging and yet very fun at the same time. You know, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so why don't we close on, because I think it deserves the mentions, on uh, Just a Lot of Animals, because we really haven't got a chance to talk about that very much. Um, well, I, I do have to point out that yes. rather ironically... I'm trying to find some data on this, but wasn't Oz Wonderland written by E. Nelson Birdwell? Um, Which is you uh, know, rather I ironically. Bridwell. Oh, Bridwell, yeah, okay. Bridwell, I, I'm sorry, yeah. I was uh, looking at the uh, the Earthsea version. <laughs> the uh, Earthsea e version. Yeah. 
That e. Nelson would have been the writer they would have used. Yes, E. Nelson Birdwell worked at the same publisher that uh, Rodney Rabbit did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and with the, you setting that up for the beginning. <laughs> what was that, Weldon? And I, I said, and Duck Giordano. Duck, oh, yeah. Duck Giordano. <laughs> we could do this all night. That's Roger's editor. That's, yeah. that's, that's in the book. Is it really? Oh. That's legitimate? Yeah, that, that's his editor. Oh, that's Duck awesome. Giordano. God, see, they just it's didn't stop. Duck G or Dono. Now, the thing about it is it would be highly irreverent and uh, almost seem uh, insulting, but it just occurred to me that a donkey named Julius Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This was, I mean, this was an amazing find. I'm going to, I want to look this up. Um, I just want to see. We didn't even talk about Twinchilla. Go ahead. <laughs> Just one of the throwaway villains in there is uh, a, a pair of giant chinchillas. Nice. <laughs> They're known as twinchilla. It's, it's just that kind of humor. It's, it's in every issue. It's pervasive. It's per P U R. Pervasive. Pervasive. It's a couple R's in there. Yeah. Pervasive. Yeah. Oh, Gorilla Grodd appeared uh, as well. Let's not forget. <laughs> he oh, made yeah, the joke. And Beast Boy. Oh, did Beast Boy? Beast Boy. Yeah. Oh, God. That's awesome. So, just so everybody knows, and matter of fact, I'm going to use this particular moment in time to put this um, on something that Cole and I are talking about next week, but you can pick up the Showcase Presents um, on Amazon or at your local bookstore, I'm sure, that includes the new Teen Titans 16 Captain uh, Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew, 1 through 20, and the Oz Wonderland Saga, 1 through 3. Wow. So you can get it all. And I, I feel uh, I'm kind of guilty here. I need to admit that I wanted nothing to do with Captain Carrot and his Amazing Zoo Crew. <laughs> well, when, I, mean, I think a lot of people first, felt that way. Yeah, well, they shoved it in the middle of my damn Teen Titans, for one. And I just... I thought the whole thing was silly, because, but I didn't bother to read it, and I'm discovering I need this damn showcase because I need to discover this gem, this, mm. like I said earlier, 100-carat gem that I missed out on, except for Oz Wonderland War, which I thought, okay, there's a vehicle. That was acceptable to yep. me, and now I'm realizing I missed out on some amazing stuff because I was very steeped in Piers Anthony. And uh, and I had and like I had mentioned Spider Robinson, so I was no stranger to puns, and I didn't realize that that was a huge part of, and and to me that just makes it an even smarter book. Well, I think that that's and the instead thing. Zoo cruised right on by it, didn't you? Oh <laughs> wow! But I think that that's the thing that for me is as I get older. Right. When I was when I was prime reading age for this, which would have been, you know, when I was nine, ten years old, um, I had no I would have no interest in none because I didn't understand, you know, puns, irony, satire, the way that I do. Pathos. 
Yeah, right. Matotis. <laughs> Schadenfreude, whatever else <laughs> that I understand now. How is that Volkswagen thing? It is. It's very uncomfortable in the backseat. Um, wow. Yeah. Yes. You are bringing up a good point that the book was weird in that if you're young enough, you would have really enjoyed it because it was just silly. Mm-hmm. And then as you get a little older, you're not going to like it at all. But then as you get a little older than that, you're going to like it because it's very cleverly written. There's like a dead zone in the middle. There's a teenage dead zone, Where, which there is so much of yeah. in the world that you miss because you think you're better than the the book, the movie, the comic, the song, mm-hmm. the you socks, know, the socks, the showering, you know, whatever <laughs> it might be. Um, I was fresh out of high school and uh, when this book came out in Teen Titans uh, and when I, well, maybe I was still in high school, but I was right about, we'll say 17 to 19. Somewhere there. I don't remember the year. Anyways, uh, when it came out, I saw that in Teen Titans 16, and I rolled my eyes <laughs> so hard. You could have heard it like gravel on pavement. <laughs> it was like a, a grist then, mill. Yeah. But it, after I read the Teen Titans, and I'd read all of my other books that week, I didn't have anything else to read. So I read the stupid thing, and it was really funny. Yeah. And I thought, huh, all right, I'll look at the first issue when it comes out. But if it's not as good as this, they can forget it. <laughs> that, that first issue came out, and I picked up a copy, and I read it, and I thought, this is the funniest thing I have ever seen. It's way better than not brand X. It's way better than even my beloved Inferior Five. Uh, this is true high comedy. And so I bought 10 copies of that. High comedy! Because I was convinced that it was going to go up in value because it's so <laughs> funny. And I tried to get all my friends to read it, and nobody would even look at it. Yeah, it's, it's so like trying it to convince people... Yeah, it was like trying to convince people that Howard the Duck was smart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which it was. Same uphill battle. It was. It was very smart, but it was about a duck, and a lot of people wouldn't look at it. Yeah. And it was kind of that same uphill battle. Although I will say that this wasn't quite as sophisticated as Howard the Duck. Uh, Certainly not. But it was funnier. But they would still duck the issue. Damn it. I, you know, yeah. I am sad to say that I was one of those people. Well, I would not have read this. You know, I would have, I would have put this aside and and not picked it up, and to my detriment, at that time, I think I would have been. I think if I would have engaged in things like this, you know, I would have been a lot more well-rounded as a consumer of media, a lot earlier. And a lot, you know, a lot more worldly and well-versed, but there's that, like you said, there's that black hole in your teens and early 20s where you're too cool (laughs) for school and you're not going to read something like this. And if you did, you'd be so much better off for it. Oh, I think, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you have to either fall into often purely by accident or out of... Mm -hmm some sort of strange necessity that Weldon described. 
or you just never encounter it until much, much later, right. if at all. Oh. And I, I do want to point out in my research, I found a rather uh, alarming uh, irony here. Um, apparently, um, just a very few years ago with the, the reemergence of Captain Carrot, uh, DC uh, was sued by Warner over similarities to Bugs Bunny until they realized <laughs> that they owned DC. Uh. <laughs> Damn it. Uh. All right. Yeah, the Let's... snake bites its own tail. <laughs> we've got we've got to wrap this up. You know, there's so much more to this. You know, we could have gotten to storylines and background and how the team came together because they came together to fight Starro, just like the Justice League. Yeah. Um, you know, yep. there, it's it's a very good. I almost consider it an homage. You know, because it, it is satire. Mm-hmm. It is funny. It is an animal book. But there, it's really, really, really well done. Um, we could, there's so much more we could have, just like everything else in the show, we could have, we could have done two or three issues. Oh, easily. And I, I, yeah. I have to bring up for Weldon and for our audience, uh, all seven of you, um, <laughs> with, with Weldon here, that's six. But uh, no, but seriously, when Oz Wonderland came out, there were characters I had a familiarity with because of things like the Marvel Universe Guide and just, you know, general comic knowledge. And my friend Steve and I were corresponding back and forth during our college years because we didn't have the internets back then. And we wrote, uh, you know, actual handwritten letters that we put into a mailbox. And a few days later, they would, we would arrive to one another. And we also at the time we're creating our own parody stuff just for our own amusement, the atrocious universe as it became known with uh, the all losers squad and the atom family and the wimpy warriors and such. And among the things that I had sent Steve amongst the many letters and illustrations and just off the cuff stuff, I sent him a drawing of rocket raccoon and his forest friends in the Disney Hanna-Barbera war. (laughs) And the illustration is God awful because we didn't have the internet back then. I had zero reference material. So you kind of got the impression that was supposed to be Mickey mouse. And that maybe is goofy or it's a hungry, hungry hippo uh, over here. That's likely meant to be Yogi bear. Uh, I couldn't remember enough. Hanna-Barbera characters, and for some reason I drew H.R. Puffin stuff. It just, it gets a little surreal. And then on the back of this piece of typing paper, because that's what it was back then, I drew the Forest Friends. And I was trying to conjure uh, enough of them up for Andy. I remembered there was one based on um, the New Mutants were fairly new at the time, and the character Karma would have this sort of crenulated nimbus around her head anytime she took over somebody's mind and so naturally I had cardinal rule <laughs> and we had this uh, there was a, a wild cat that could become invisible that was missing links and I can't remember one of them I think was like solar swan or something <laughs> like that but I, I, I actually felt obliged because the cover was just sort of rocket raccoon in the middle like Captain Carrot with these two converging um, nemeses. So I, I felt obliged to illustrate at least what the headshots would look like for all these characters. And 
uh, it was just kind of nice to have that come back to me. And for some reason, there was like a moose or a deer or something uh, that had an eye patch like uh, Nick Fury. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> all right. All right. We did it. <laughs> we did it. And, and thank you, Weldon, for joining us on the show that even though this is a purely audio show, it is the this is the episode, this is the issue that is really good for your eyes. Right, right. There's a, there's I'm going to let you digest that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, I, all, all I can say, guys, is, again, thank you for indulging me in uh, my horrible, horrible idea of uh, trying to get new readers for a book that died decades ago. It is not a horrible oh, idea. Oh. And I this had, was a lot of punk. I had, I had more fun researching this issue than I have had in a year of research. I mean, some of the topics I set him to task on are brutal. They are. They're, they're truly brutal. <laughs> they are, <laughs> they are an Iron Man competition of research, but, <laughs> but this was incredibly fun and incredibly rewarding. And, uh, you know, I, there's going to be a new, a new, owner of a showcase so they're going to get their money's worth out of me that's right do you have anything you want to plug weldon uh yeah i uh i want to once again urge dc to do that captain carrot he's amazing zoo crew animated features so i can finally get rid of these 10 copies <laughs> so you want to be like uh what was it dr overstreet was back when the uh that god-awful Captain America film came out, and the addition of Overstreet's Price Guide that year hyper-valued all Captain America comics because he was so certain this was going to drive people to Captain America. <laughs> so that, that's, that's your gambit there. That's my gambit. Well, you know, if Peter Porker, the amazing spider, or the spectacular Spider-Hand, can suddenly become popular, yeah, you know, if... If Rocket Raccoon, who started out as nothing more than a parody of a Beatles song, can become popular, then surely there's room for the beloved Captain and the amazing Zuckery. I agree with you, 100%. Um, all right, Cole, bring us home, will you? All right, well, remember, kids, eat your carrots, and in the meantime, watch for or, or listen for more Hey Kids comics right here on the Jedi Cole universe at JediCole.com. And um, if you're not just completely sick of me, on the first and third Sundays of every month on DallasOnAir.com from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., myself and the amazing Eddie Medina, the original fan of the show that he's now a co-host of and has been for six years, we uh, bring you, uh, if you like the Star Wars we will bring you twice a month the Ramps Core Pit Live, uh, streaming live uh, in video form from downtown Dallas. Apparently, I haven't scared off our viewers yet. And on the third Sunday of every month, it is preceded from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. by Isle of Toys, A-I-S-L-E, Isle of Toys, uh, also on DallasOnAir.com. You can uh, pick up past... Uh, archives on the Facebook pages of the Rancor Pit or Isle of, to Isle of Toys. Uh, the latest uh, episode was just last Sunday, 
uh, where I was joined by Diane Tran, and we talked about the toys that time forgot. Had an amazing time talking about dinosaur toys and probably didn't even begin to uh, excavate nearly just the tiniest portion of how many amazing dino toys are out there. And uh, as a result, I will actually be writing – I'm penning an article for the Dallas Paleo Society newsletter on that very topic. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Great. Um, yeah, and you can find Sounds us like on... a mammoth cat. That's, that's right. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you can, of course, find us on your socials at HK Comics Show, where we post all of our shows, as well as weird articles sometimes and whatever else we can come across. Um, and, yeah, that's it. Cole, do uh, you want to give them a little nod to next week? Well, <laughs> oh, are we going to do what we do every year? And that is we're going to go digging around in Santa's big old sack and uh, give that's you some. unfortunate phrasing. Yeah, but really, actually. We're going to give you some, uh, if you survive that, Next week, we're going to give you some hints and tips uh, for some great gift ideas for the comic fan in your life. Uh, As a comic fan in my life, I know it's very difficult sometimes to find great gifts. You know, comic people are hard to shop for, especially if you're not one yourself. So we're going to kind of help uh, soften the blow there a bit and – Give you a few uh, ideas of some of the toys and uh, books and other paraphernalia that's out there that's really cool that your your comic fan will love. That's right. And we promise you it is not all going to be just Mandalorian toys. Yeah, that was on uh, the last uh, episode of uh, (laughs) Micro Pit Live, which you can catch over on our Facebook page and see what our gift-giving ideas were for the Star Wars. No matter how badly I want it to be, it's just not all going to be Mandalorian yeah. toys. So, buy, collect, enjoy your comics. Make sure that you pick up Captain Carrot and his amazing Zoo Crew. I sure am. Um, Weldon, thank you again. It's always a pleasure. You did not, you did not force our hand on this at all. We are thrilled yeah, yes. to be doing this. Suggest something else because I've only got 110 more episodes plotted. And that means I have to research 110 more episodes. Well, I got to say, I don't think this uh, issue went too bad. All right, that's it. Say good night, gentlemen. I can't think of a better way to leave it. Good night, everybody. See you back. (laughs)